Sup? What's up? Episode 100. Woo! We never thought we'd get here. <laughs> yeah. We never thought anyone would want to listen to 100 episodes. Right? Like, I can't believe you guys are still along for the ride. Who could have known? Who could have known? But, but here we are. And we appreciate it. Yes, because here you are. And we're, we're here, you're here. It's really a fairy tale kind of story. Oh, I almost said ending, but this is not the end. No. <laughs> Sorry. It's the ending of the 90s. Yes. I thought you meant the decade, and I was like, don't. I can't. Yeah, girlfriend, that actually ended a while ago. And but also, not in our hearts. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I refuse to believe that. Forever anyway, but in our hearts. Yeah. It's the end of the double digits of the episodes. Yep. On to bigger and better and triple digit things. Yeah, girl. So thank you guys for being around, and in honor of our 100th episode, we thought we would do Lorena Bobbitt. So excited, so excited. So excited. We've been wanting to cover this one for long time. a long time. Yeah, a long time for sure, and we thought we'll take it back to the 90s, really hit our bread and butter here. Of course, you need to be prepared for some dick jokes. There, We're going to try to fit as many in as we can. Beginning of the dick jokes! <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah, definitely get ready for that. Um, If you've never been here before, welcome. I think you've already got a little bit of a taste of what's coming. We are gal-palling around in here. This is not a super formal podcast. We are sarcastic in our humor. We quote a lot of TV shows like Friends and random movies. And we are just going to talk about cases as if you're sitting around talking with your friends about it. We try to be respectful, but we also try to have a little fun. Yeah, exactly. We're definitely going to have some fun at John Wayne Bobbitt's expense because he's a real prick. Ooh, with a Franken prick. (laughs) Yeah. Before we get started, just to let everybody know, the Patreon is popping off. We start the Confession Killer, or we just started it already this week. We're going to do episode-by-episode coverage of that at the $10 level. Um, we got some pretty crazy mixtape cases in there Oh yeah, lately, so definitely check it out if you're not already in there. And all of those, if you are just now joining, you have access to all of the old ones as well. Yeah, so you can binge tons. There's like tons of episodes you can binge. Your heart's content. Absolutely. So definitely check it out. And, um, you know, if you get that $10 level, you get three episodes a week. That's just a smart choice. Really is. It's really the best bang for your buck. Love it. Now let's get started. Let's do it. June 3rd, 1993 in Manassas, Virginia, at 5.06 a.m., police get a call that comes over the radio for officers to go to the hospital. Initially, police didn't really know what it was that they were responding to, just that a man had been assaulted by his wife. And two officers responded, Dan Harris and John Tillman. And when they arrived, another officer told them, you're not going to believe this. This guy's wife pulled his dick off. And they're like, whoa, whoa, what? I think that's every living man's worst nightmare. Right? Yeah. When I told, um... Anybody that we were going to be covering this case, like any man, knows immediately what the case was about. And they're like, oh man, that's that that's, terrifies me. Yeah, that's so scary. Yeah. I'm like, well, should. Should scare you. Yeah. That's what you get for assaulting women. It could happen to you. Exactly. The police were really careful not to put specifically what happened out over the radio because obviously the media would have a field day with it. Absolutely. So they really didn't want to put it out quite yet because they were still trying to get all the information they needed. While they're at the hospital, they realize that the appendage is missing. It's not with him at the hospital. It's that small, huh? (laughs) Couldn't find it with magnifying glass? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. It's like when Chandler's toe got cut off and they accidentally brought the carrot No, this is a very small, very cold piece of carrot. (laughs) So then they had to go back and try to find the toe and that didn't happen for them. But the doctors were like, I think we can save this, but we need to find it really quickly. So it was kind of an all hands on deck situation. And they ended up having to relay things on the radio just to get people because the officers had to go back out to the scene and, and find it. I wouldn't want to be the one on dick detail. 
Exactly. At this point, the man had lost about a third of his blood volume, and without the missing part, Dr. Shane, which is the urologist, said he may have no choice but to do a perennial urethrostomy, where they connect the urethra to the perineum, which is the nacho, like not your balls, not your, tank, not your butt, kind of the deal, like the in-between. And uh, he said he would have to sit to pee for the rest of his life. Although I've heard some men say that that's just more comfortable. Yeah. Daniel Tosh says it. Oh, that's true. I think some men, when they're really drunk, just go ahead and do that too, because they know they're going to piss all over the place. At the time that they are going back to try to find the penis, I had to say it. At some point, you just got to say it, right? They didn't know where it was, and initially, they thought that Lorena had maybe swallowed it. Oh, my God. Which is like, why is that what you think? I, I don't know. And they found, like, blood in the parking lot at the apartment complex. It was all over the sidewalks, up the stairs to the apartment. Uh, number five was theirs, through the living room and into the bedroom. So they go into the house thinking, okay, this is where we're going to find it. And they're trying to keep the crime scene intact. They're shining a flashlight around everywhere, just trying to see what they can find. But they said in the bedroom there was a butt imprint on the bed in blood with about an inch deep puddle. So he lost a lot of blood. It's insane to me. I mean, I'm not surprised necessarily that that area would generate a ton of blood loss however one third of your entire blood in your body like i would never want to have my dick cut off i'll just say that i mean sounds i mean you pretty rough you must have blacked out and you would think lightheaded yeah oh yeah you'd get super lightheaded and they they checked like They checked in the freezer. They checked the garbage disposal, which is horrific. They checked the dishwasher. They're just trying to find, like, anywhere they thought maybe it would have gotten stuck. But that's not the only thing they found in the apartment. Well, first of all, they don't find the dick in the apartment. But they, you know, they see all the blood and all this stuff. But they also find pamphlets on rape and abuse out on the table. So maybe we're getting a more clear picture of what's going on here. Lorena went to the police department. So after all this happened, I think she first went to see her boss, Jana. And maybe Jana was like, you need to go to the police and let them know what happened. I'm not 100% sure. But Lorena goes to the police department and she says, I need to report abuse by my husband, John. And they're like, listen, girl, we will get to that. But we have a pretty dire situation because this man's penis is not attached to his body anymore. And God forbid anything happened to a penis. So this is top priority, all hands on deck. We got to find this dick. I'm reminded of Charlotte from Sex and the City. We can't upset the penis. Let's not talk (laughs) about upsetting the penis. Exactly. So they're like, where is it? She's like, I don't know. I think it's at the apartment. They're like, no, we already checked there. Where is it? Then she's like, actually, I think I threw it out the window when I left the house. And they're like, well, fuck, where was that? And she says, I think I was at the corner near the 7-Eleven. So they go back to the 7-Eleven and they're like looking all around and they do find it. Um, Lorena had tossed it out of her driver's window. It went over the roof of the car so, like, tossed it the other way. Like alley-oop style. Yeah. And it landed in a grassy area. And then they ended up finding the knife in a garbage can near her job. Again, I don't know if I'd want to be the one to have found the penis. Yeah, so apparently the police and, like, volunteer firefighters and stuff were there looking for it. And when they did find it, they were like, not it. I- I'm not going to yeah. touch it. I'm not going to touch it. You touch it. Like It's like the worst scavenger hunt ever. Yeah. Nobody wanted to touch it. And one officer heard that the sergeant that was there accidentally stepped on it before he found it. Like, literally walked on top of the peen. Do you think John Wayne felt it when his penis got stepped on? Oh, 100%. People, men are very attached to their penises. Yeah. Hopefully physically, but also emotionally. Exactly. It's like their own little voodoo doll and best friend oh yeah it's like your best friend that will never leave you Mm -hmm. hopefully yeah well maybe you don't cause yourself to be separated from it true so they end up reattaching the penis they weren't sure that it was going to be able to be reattached and if it was like if it would be functional you know i mean this is the 90s so that's pretty progressive shit back in that day yeah yeah um The only person that I would trust in the 90s to perform a surgery like that is the brain from Pinky and the Brain, I think. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Somebody really smart like that. Yeah. 
I also want to just go ahead and do a warning here. If any of you are playing a drinking game and you drink every time you hear the word penis, congratulations, you're drunk. (laughs) You might die. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they ended up taking Lorena to the hospital as well, and they did a rape kit on her because she did say that she had been abused by John that that night. So they did um, the swabs. She had some stains on her crotch. Uh, There was no evidence of blood, but they did detect sperm. And Lorena told police that John had raped her throughout the marriage, and the more she fought it and said no, the more he wanted to do it. Uh, there are no words for that. Yeah, and that's sh- some BDSM or S&M stuff that's yeah terribly wrong. Yeah, it's like he gets turned on more and more by her resistance and asking for it to stop. And appar- obviously, aggression is the only thing that turns him on. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, because... Well, it's connecting violence to sexual... Exactly. ...desire and gratification. Right. Which escalates over time. I mean, I'm just trying to think about this. I'm not trying to think too much about this, but I'm trying to think about this, and it's like, oh, no, no, and you're, like, giggling and whatever, and it's like, little schoolgirl, ha, ha, ha. She's like, absolutely not, and so the only thing that he has to do to get his rocks off is to forcibly Mm -hmm. rape her. Yeah, and at this time, in the early 90s, marital rape i don't even think was a thing nobody knew that it could i don't think anybody understood it they didn't know that it could happen when you're married right and and it's like stalking you know that wasn't really there were no laws against it around that time either it took a long time to get laws in place against stalking the same thing with this it took a long time to get laws into place because nobody could wrap their head around that a husband and wife you know, it could be possible. Maybe you're not in the mood. Maybe you're feigning a headache or whatever, but it's not like that somebody's forcibly raping you. It's your husband. You're supposed to have sex together. You know, it's... In a perfect world, marital rape is not a thing. Yeah, it absolutely should not happen. Um, And unfortunately, it does. And this case occurred at a time when it was not really on anybody's radar. So... It just, of course, it, this case blew up because of the fact that she cut his penis off. Um, but it brought to light a very, very important issue. Yes, absolutely. And unfortunately, Lorena had to be the face for that, which meant she got so much criticism. And she ridicule. was made fun of. Yeah. yeah. And um, because people didn't understand it and because people who don't understand things decide that they need to be hateful to people about it or whatever. Yeah. It's awful. People don't, they don't, they're not kind to what they don't understand. Yeah. And not only was marital rape not really understood or even, even termed yet, you know, or defined, but they... They said that it took a hundred years to create the first battered women's shelter after a law was passed to prevent cruelty to animals. So it's like... Animals had more... uh, Yeah. Yeah. um, We're all for animals being protected and stuff like that, of course. But women were lower on the totem pole. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, now that the animals have rights, I guess we can think about the women. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's... I mean, it's just fucked up. and. A lot of them, a lot of rapes and attacks, sexual assaults and things are not reported. And they said in 1990, there were about 100,000 rapes reported and probably over a million occurred. That's astronomical. It's, I can't even. That's so scary and so And women don't tend to report, anybody, not even just women. Men don't report sexual assaults either. A lot of times. Sexual assaults just are not reported because people think they're not going to be believed. I'll be called names. I'll be treated badly. I'll be made fun of. They'll call me a liar. Or, contrary, well, along the same thing, you deserve this. What did you do? Yes. Yeah. What did you do? What were you wearing? Yeah. Were you drinking? Yeah. All of those things. Now, do some people cry wolf? Do some people report sexual assaults that did not occur? Yes. And I feel like those people should be punished in some way because all that does is 
further stigmatize people who have had something like that happen. And then it makes it harder for them to report it. So I feel like if you're, I feel like if you do turn out to have lied about something like that, um, like the Duke lacrosse situation and Crystal Mangum or Magnum or whatever her name was, she made that up. Well, I think she should have been prosecuted for that. I do too. People who report false crimes are prosecuted. Yeah. And that's what she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and all she's doing is perpetuating that boy who cried wolf yes, attitude. Exactly. Yeah. So it's that, I feel like that needs to be taken more seriously too, so that these, what, million women in 1990, or people, I don't know, men and women. Sure. Yeah. Um, could have reported it, could have gotten justice, you know, things like that. Well, yeah. And I think that we need to change the mindset from, and we talk about it all the time. We need to change the mindset from, well, what did you do to deserve this? To, you shouldn't be doing this shit because you feel like you can. Like, you, we need to teach the perpetrators that it's not okay. It's not right. Uh, yes, absolutely. So, yeah. the blame needs to be, it's misplaced and it needs to be set straight. Yeah, absolutely. So, during this time, Lorena needs to get an attorney. So, Jana, who owned the nail salon that Lorena worked at, and they were friends, and she was staying with Jana at this point, like, sleeping on her couch, I think. She hired Lorena an attorney, which is very nice of her to do. Very nice. That's a good friend. Yes. And um, his name was James Lowe. And then she also hired her an agent, kind of like a publicist, media rep, Alan Hogue. To protect her from the media. That's really smart. Yeah, because people were going fucking crazy. Comedians were picking up on it. And not that the 90s were such an, it's such a diff, well, they were a bit, very different time. But um, talk shows were the thing in the mm-hmm. 90s. Sally Jesse Raphael. Yeah. Um, Jenny Jones. Um, what is... Um, David Letterman. Yes. Um, I'm thinking of specifically daytime, but you're exactly yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and those like David Letterman and Ricky Jay Lake. Leno, Ricky Lake, they, the nighttime ones opened with a comedy shtick. Yes. Yeah. It and was like Saturday Night Live right. meets talk show. Yeah. And at that time it was all about Lorena. They even did skits sure about it did. on SNL. I'm sure they did. Yeah. And, and look, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm a person who. You're the hell person who can. <laughs> Like, I'm okay with, I don't know, I don't get offended by a whole hell of a lot. Funny banter is funny banter. Yeah, and like, comedians, of course they're going to make fun of stuff. That's what they do. Um, At the same time, like, Lorena is going through hell. She's been abused and finally fought back against that. And everybody's essentially, like, crucifying her in the media. Well, that's the same thing. It's not the same, but it is very reminiscent of, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Everybody was joking about that whole instance Mm -hmm. then. And they weren't thinking about, like, Monica Lewinsky is a person who has been taken advantage of. R. Kelly is a person who is taking advantage of young girls and we're making light of the situation. Like, there are deeper-rooted issues that comedy should not cover up and make light of. It just shouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. And I think at this time, well, I don't know. I hope they just didn't realize what was going on. But it's, it's such a huge and important issue. And so many people are affected by it. And so many people have had to keep quiet, you know? And I think so many people related to that feeling because there's plenty of people who were carrying that pain by themselves, you know, alone, and they were ashamed by that. And then hearing her be made fun of in the media was akin to them being made fun of and diminishing their pain and their suffering. So personal. Um, I do want to point out, though, because we're going to be making some jokes specifically at John Wayne Bobbitt, Mm -hmm. and that's different than what we're talking about. We do not want to poke fun at the victim. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, (laughs) some people may view John Wayne Bobbitt as the victim because I guess he had his penis sliced off. Um, But once you get the full entire story and you realize what a monster he is, he got lucky, I feel like. Like, a lot worse could have happened to him. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we don't, I'm not worried about making fun of John Wayne Bobbitt. Hey, Torella. Hey, Tori. So, have you heard of HelloFresh? Oh, yes. You have? I've heard of it. I had heard of it as well, but I never tried it. Recently, I did try it. And it was amazing, seriously. It was super delicious. You get to choose between a couple options. You can do like low fat, vegetarian, family friendly. I did low calorie. Mm. It was delicious. They sent me three meals. Everyone was so phenomenal. It was super easy to use. They send every ingredient in with it. You don't have to go to the grocery store at all. Oh wow, that's a huge time saver. Cause if you know me at all, which I think you do. I've met you before, yes. I hate going to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. It's literally the bane of my existence. Like, it's hell on earth for me. I dislike it. I also hate meal prepping. Ugh. I cannot stand to think of recipes to make or things to do for the week. Like, I cannot do it. So they just send you stuff, and it is delicious every time out. Also, what I loved about HelloFresh after learning about it was the packaging that they send you all the ingredients in is made from recyclable or already recycled content. That's amazing. And their carbon footprint is 25% lower than the grocery store. So you're helping the environment too. You're doing your part. HelloFresh helps you get the most meal for your moolah. Love it. My favorite meal was the sausage and ricotta spinach ravioli. Oh, that sounds delicious. It was so good. And it was even better the next day. Shut up. Just the leftovers, so good. Wow. So all you have to do is go to hellofresh.com slash 10queens and use the code 10queens for 10 meals, including free shipping. Wow, that's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. That way you never have to set foot in the grocery store. You can only do all of those things in your pajamas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're doing your part to save the planet, and you get a lot of meal for low cost. Yeah, go there and start living your actual life today. Love it. Go to hellofresh.com slash 10queens and use Use code 10QUEENS for 10 meals, including free shipping. Two months after the incident was the arraignment. So Lorena was charged with malicious wounding. And that's a charge I didn't know was malicious wounding. I feel like that every time I get a paper cut. That was a malicious wounding. Yeah, you should sue that fucking envelope. Envelopes are the worst with that. I've gotten aluminum foil too, and that is rough. At the arraignment, a detective read from the statement that Lorena made the morning of the castration, and Lorena said that, you know, she should have gotten an attorney then, but she didn't know better. She was just answering questions, so, um, and I feel like that happens to so many people. We, I mean, we, fans of true crime, I think, know, but, like, if you ever have to go get questioned for pretty much anything... Get an attorney. Always get an attorney. You're about a lawyer, up. Yeah. But in the statement, he read that Lorena said that she was mad because he had an orgasm and didn't wait for me. And so, of course, that took off in the media. Like, everybody was talking about that. Geraldo was talking about it, and we'll get to his dumbass later, I guess. But, um, you know, everybody was like, well, she was mad because he had an orgasm and she didn't. Like, okay. Thank mm-hmm. God women don't maliciously wound their significant others for that reason for alone. For that, yeah. If that happened... Um, there'd be dicks all over the ground. Yeah, no, nobody would have a dick anymore. No. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's in trouble at this point. So she was charged with the malicious wounding, and John was charged with marital rape. So, I mean, at least they charged him. Because I feel like, especially at this time, it would have been easy for them not to charge John and to just say, well, you know, we obviously do have evidence that she cut the dick off. We'll just charge her. But I I applaud them for at least listening to her and taking the facts in and at least doing their due diligence and charging him. And if you watch the four-part documentary on Amazon Prime. And it's just called Lorena. Yeah. Um, you do meet the DA at the time, and he is a precious 
angel. Like at first when they showed him, you know, he's an older white dude. And so at first I was like, oh gosh, is he going to be like, you know, this should never happen to a man and you know, all that kind of stuff. He was really, really helpful to Lorena. He did a lot of things through the course of these trials that I I just felt like were so ethical and you don't see that that much anymore, which is unfortunate, but, um, thank God for him. Yeah. His name is Paul Ebert and any relation to Siskel and Ebert? I give him two thumbs way up. (laughs) I like it. John had like nail scrape marks on his face from two weeks before. Defensive wounds. Mm-hmm. And he was unemployed at the time that this happened, so Lorena was the only one working. She was completely supporting both of them. John had a really hard time holding a job down. He drank a lot. And it comes out later, um, it comes out through the course of the investigation of the trials that when he gets very drunk, he gets very violent as well. And he happens to get drunk every day. I mean, he still does. Like, you see him in the documentary. Like, he's one of the narrators in it, and they're interviewing him, and he's got this, like, big gulp cup next to him, and I'm positive it's, like, full of vodka or something. How does he still have functioning liver and kidneys? Uh, Yeah, I have no idea. One thing that makes assault, domestic violence, rape, those kind of things hard to harder to prosecute is... A lack of corroboration. A lot of times it's a your word against mine kind of thing. But in this case, they did have several instances where the police had gone out to the Bobbitt's residence because Lorena had called the police on him. So there's definitely, I mean, we'll get into that a little bit more once we get to the actual trial, but there are definitely instances where the police had been called before. They've got plenty of witnesses that are going to come forward in the trial. So this is actually a case where they do have some corroboration, which is sometimes unusual, uh, you know, hard. Again, a lot of times it's not reported. So it, it just makes it harder. But they do have that. One thing that made this case really hard is for marital rape to be, for that charge to stick, I guess, at that time, you had to prove that you were separated at the time. And that the person caused significant or permanent physical damage. I mean, the charge was not easy to prove. And that's not, that does not qualify rape, though. No. Significant or permanent damage. Right. Yeah, that doesn't at all. I I don't, I'm, I don't want to be, I'm not a man hater, but um, you can tell men wrote that fucking law. I mean... Because, you know, and at that I, at that time, it was still widely believed that, like, a woman is a man's property and, can't, and she cannot be raped when you're married because you're supposed to just have sex whenever. Like, I guess, is mm-hmm. what they think. Like, you can't be raped because... If you say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Because I say so. Yeah. Like, when you get married, those... That's the rule. Yeah. So, they couldn't charge him with marital rape. They weren't, she was still living in the house. They couldn't get that that charge to stick because of the way the law was written. So, they had to think of another way. So, they ended up charging him with malicious sexual assault, which carried a sentence of 20 years instead of life like marital rape, which I'm, maybe they made it a life sentence because they knew nobody could actually be charged with it because the way they wrote it. But I'm like, I'm surprised that they made it so difficult to charge somebody with and then made it a life sentence. But maybe that's why, because they knew nobody was ever going to get charged with it unless the law changed. So John's trial is first. And during this time, the media circus is off the fucking rails. There was a lady outside of the courthouse during the trial selling t-shirts that said Manassas, Virginia, a cut above the rest, and boxer shorts that said don't cut me short, and they were like flying off the shelves, basically. It was all over. It was everywhere. I mean, it was just you couldn't escape the media circus about it. You know, that being said, you have two different ways that that Lorena and John are reacting to it. Lorena does not like to be in the spotlight. She doesn't want the spotlight. 
She doesn't want this to be something that every single person in America knows about because it's a very personal struggle to her. John, eating it up. He loves the attention. He became like America's hero. He was asked to be on interviews all over the place. He went on Howard Stern several times. Like, yeah, all these things. Everybody was like kind of rallying around him, apparently. Um, it was... Well, and that just goes to show you what kind of machine the media is because they're not going to tell the actual truth because that wouldn't sell as well, right? They need to make it this dramatic um, John Wayne is the victim Mm -hmm. type of thing. And what has happened now is we have idolized a a predator. Yeah, a sexual predator. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. There were no cameras allowed in the courtroom for this trial because it was a sexual offense. So the defense had to, they got the call on it, basically, whether or not they wanted cameras in the courtroom. And so, of course, the defense said no because they just didn't want the cameras. John Wayne Bobbitt testified that the day before the incident, he worked until 2.30 p.m., and then he went out with Robbie, his friend Robbie, who was also staying with them at the time, to a few clubs. They had a couple beers, he said were Budweiser's, and two B-52 shots. What's a B-52 shot? So he said it was like, it's basically like liquor on liquor on liquor, but he said it's not, it, he said it wasn't very strong because it was like liquor and then a couple liqueurs or something like that. Huh. And he's like, no, we didn't get drunk. Like, I wasn't drunk at all. It no, was just a couple shots. Well, either that says a lot about how much you drink at night or you're fucking lying to everyone's faces. Exactly. And he, he just kept saying he wasn't drunk. You're not going to get drunk off the Budweiser, I'll tell you that right now, because that's 99.9% water. Exactly. B-52s, though. Yeah. I mean, even if it's, even if it's liqueur, you've still got multiple liquors going on there. Like, I mean, there's, there's nothing to cut it. Like, it's, it's like still a Long Island iced tea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're probably pretty sweet and stuff, too. But, and when they asked his friend about it, the one who was with him, he, they were like, did you feel the effects from those shots? And he's like, yeah, we were definitely feeling that. And we drove home anyway. But according to John, he wasn't drunk at all. He was just tired because it had been a long day or whatever. And he said that when he got home, he even folded his clothes and he took them off to further prove that he wasn't drunk. Okay. Yeah, because he says drunk people don't fold their clothes. And the time that my husband cleans the most, he even will organize stuff by like alphabetical order and color when he's drunk. Like when when he's drunk, he's the cleanest he can be. When I have lived with y'all, I've been... Because I have to work on Saturdays. That's just my job. Going to bed early on a Friday night, and then I hear the vacuum running. I'm like, okay, it's... Yeah, like 2 in the morning. Yeah, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. What's going on? And then cabinets are slamming <laughs> shut. And I'm like, oh, Andrew's been drinking. Yeah, that's what now it he's is. in his cleaning, his drunk cleaning. And mode. this was years ago. But yeah, it's like, <laughs> that's... Only a woman could have committed this crime because she covered him up. You know, like, okay, well, that's subjective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't fold your clothes when you're drunk, so obviously he wasn't drunk. Obviously, Lorena testified. Well, maybe not obviously. She did testify at this trial, which I applaud because that takes a lot of courage. So she did testify, and the thing that sucked about that part is that Lorena wasn't able to testify about their whole relationship to show that that pattern of behavior of him him being violent and had raped her many many times and had assaulted her physically many many times they said that they told the jury they could only consider the night of the rape and up to five days before but nothing before five days before the rape and nothing after that night. They weren't allowed to hear anything about any other time. That's the dumbest thing that I've ever heard. You're not going to listen to the whole story. You're only going to listen to the two sentences before and after the incident. Like, Yeah. So if you can say, luckily, John was such a violent person that he did, there were incidents in that time frame other than the one night, but you know, not luckily for Lorena. I mean, it helped her case, but... But she had to live through that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's fucked up that you have to... That they would remove everything else. I understand if maybe they said, we're not going to bring in a past girlfriend who says that he was 
violent to them too. I mean, I still think that's relevant personally, but if they said, well, that wasn't part of this relationship. He's changed. Whatever. Yeah. But why can she not give an account of her full relationship with him? I don't understand that. Tori, guess what? What, girl? It's early in the year. Yeah. You know how everybody makes New Year's resolutions? But they're so hard to keep. The worst. I feel like one reason they're so hard to keep is because stuff is not super easy or accessible. And one resolution that I think I'm actually going to be able to stick with this year is getting healthier. So I have started using Care Of, which is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. And it helps you actually keep your resolution because the convenient daily packs are perfect for on-the-go lifestyle. Drop them in your purse, carry them with you. They're always there. Like, each day's supply is individually packaged. That's amazing. So if you forget in the morning, you'd have it with you all day long. Yeah, you you just just stick it right in there. No problems. Love it. And the individual eco-friendly packs are made of compostable films. And there's tons of info on how to compost them on Carev's website. So you can do it yourself. I love it. We're just all doing our part to save the planet. My very favorite part, this may sound kind of nerdy. <laughs> well, I have two favorite parts. They taste great. And I didn't think they would because you never know, but they taste great. And I have the little quick sticks. So down the hatch, taste great. Keep on going. But my favorite part was the online quiz. You take a short online quiz, doesn't take very long, but it's so customized to your specific diet, health goals, and lifestyle. And then after you take the quiz, Karev recommends your list of vitamins, whatever would work best for you, which I thought was awesome because it's so confusing. Like if I'm going to go online to look for a vitamin, I kind of know maybe what my issue is that I'm trying to help, but I don't know where to even start or what to look for. But they ask you questions and you know, that you're actually getting real information back. And it sounds like you don't have to do much of the work at all. You just type in what your challenges are Mm -hmm. and they do the work for you. Yeah, and they totally make the questions based off of your answers. It's very intuitive. For 50% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code QUEENS50. That's TakeCareOf.com and enter code QUEENS50 for 50% off your first Care Of order. But Lorena was asked about the Friday night before when she claimed that John had sex with her in the hallway. She testified that he told her that forced sex excited him. And she did testify that they had had consensual sex that Sunday. And when she was asked why she would have consensual sex after being raped, she told the court that she was afraid that if she didn't agree that he'd rape her again. And that's another... Obviously, the defense is going to try and say, well, if you were still having consensual sex sometimes, then obviously we can just assume they're all consensual. Yeah, rape rape didn't happen. Yeah, and that's not... Well, and I have to wonder, too, because I've seen it with other cases that we've done where the whoever's questioning the witness is like oh okay so were you really raped you know like just being real condescending and real like rude and yeah assholes when it's not your job to judge that person or their story yeah you're just trying to get the facts here but tearing them down their character and their experience is not fair right exactly it's it it's not relevant it doesn't make any sense no not a cute look either no the doctor that examined Lorena after the incident said that she didn't have any signs of rape and she was not emotional he said that her panties seemed to be cut and not torn that now we're splitting hairs Mm-hmm. And also, if you have had a repeated violent crime done against you and you go, t- you expect it, are you not going to be a shell of a person? Right. Yeah, exactly. Because you're not emotional does not mean anything. You could also be in shock because of what happened. It just means that it's either happened to you multiple times or you went to a place that you had to go. Yeah. Yeah. For your own safety. Exactly. And the defense hired the former head of forensics from the FBI to look at Lorena's panties and testify. 
And he said that the panties appeared to have been cut a little and then torn. And okay, whatever. So what does that have to do with anything? Yeah, I don't understand that. Like, are they are they trying to allege that she cut her own underwear to make it look like he had ripped them off or something? Uh, I don't know. On November the 10th, 1993, the jury came back with their verdict after only four hours. Not guilty. <gasps> not guilty. They said that they just had no substantial proof that anything had happened that night. So even with... Well, and I, I think that's a big part of what that only hearing the five days fucked up. Mm-hmm. Because they they do have records of police reports and things where the police had been called to their apartment. But if if those didn't happen in the five days prior, which they didn't, then the jury can't see that. So they can't see that pattern of established behavior. So they are creating or shaping the narrative the way they want to. And, yeah. and omitting... Is lying. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they're, they're, they're setting her up to fail. And they're laughing at her while it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I know the defense attorneys, their job is to defend their client. Is it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> but to knowingly suppress, like, it's a Brady violation, too, for the prosecution to suppress information that could be exculpatory. But why is it that the defense in this case can file a motion to have information suppressed that that illustrates this person's guilt when it's there? Like, I don't understand how that how it, that's okay. I mean, I know the justice system is set up to protect the innocent and things like that. Like, I'm sure that if if it happened the other way you know, it would be detrimental to innocent people. But I just, it's just frustrating in this case because you know that he did it. Well, yeah, I mean, we know what we know. So hearing and going back in time and trying to live it, we're like, wrong. This is not okay. Like, yeah, just so frustrating to listen to. Yeah. So during this time, so after John's trial, Lorena's trial was going to be next. So there was still this like media circus and John's attorney had asked him to get away from Virginia. So they sent him out to this like ranch in Colorado to go and like work and whatever. They wanted him to get out of the limelight. They wanted him to stay quiet because they wanted this trial to complete and just be over. And of course... He didn't do that. So he went on whatever show Elizabeth Vargas was doing at that time, and she... I actually like Elizabeth Vargas. No, yeah, I love her, what but... What she doing, though? Yeah, she interviewed him. I mean, of course she would. Well, like, yeah. everybody's going to. Connie Chung, where was she? <laughs> I didn't see her. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were riding horses at the ranch, and she's like, you know, I have to ask you, I mean, is this painful, like, after your whole situation? He's like, well, sometimes it hurts, but it's getting better, and... I don't know. It's just everybody's very worried about the penis. Yeah. Like, is it painful? Does it hurt? Like, what about Lorena? Maybe she's got some residual pain from the abuse she suffered for however many years. Mm-hmm. Nobody's asked her that. He ended up meeting a woman that he began dating there. And in the documentary, I just have to bring this up because I don't even understand why the fuck he would do this. But he's like, yeah, I met a woman named Stephanie and, you know, we had a lot of good sex. Why would you say that to somebody? It's because it's an in- insecurity on his part. And he needed to just put that out there to be like, I-, I have great sex. Everything is great. I am a master in bed. Yeah. It was like, who are you trying to convince though, John Wayne yeah, Bobbitt? That's so weird. I was like, why? That's such a weird thing to say now to you've somebody. just made everybody uncomfortable. Exactly. Around the same time, the divorce of the Bobbitts was getting finalized. So... They're definitely getting divorced, like all of that paperwork is going through. And for Lorena's trial, initially the judge said, no, we're not going to allow cameras in the courtroom. Like we didn't with the last one, we're not doing it with this one. Not doing it. We're not going to perpetuate this media circus. So Court TV sent a woman reporter who was apparently very attractive and talked to the judge and was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. And, you know, all of these things and, um... I was really hoping to be able to record this. And he was like, yeah, no, come on in. That's not a problem, whatever. So, yeah, he ends up letting them record it. Um, Power of the boobies. 
Yeah. And the DA said that this was kind of weird because, or no, her, Lorena's attorney said this was kind of weird that, remember, in John's situation, the defense was able to to veto that decision, basically, or say if the judge had said, yeah, you can come in, they could have said no, which they did. So in this case, though, it was not considered a sex case. And he was like, that's weird because the area of the body that was affected was a sexual organ, basically. It's exactly a sex case. Yeah, so, but that meant that Lorena's team was not allowed to veto the cameras. So, here they come. So, now Lorena has to give all of her testimony in front of a camera, and America, again, gets to see it. I think now, maybe looking back, it's It's okay. Yeah, because of the awareness it brought, and because of how many people she's been able to help since then. But at that time, she's like, this is so personal and it's embarrassing. And I don't want people to see this. John got to say yes or no, but not Lorena. Well, and that, it just perpetuates that whole, John's in control. Lorena has no control. She's just, John's needs are met and Lorena's are not. Mm-hmm. Right. That's just how it is. Like, yeah. John gets what John wants. Lorena just has to deal with the consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How again, fair is again, that? Again, let's protect the penis. Exactly. Yeah. The trial was supposed to start in December, but, and I don't even understand why they took this into account. Like, I feel like trials just are supposed to happen when they happen, but whatever. But Lorena's PR guy was like, listen, guys, nobody's going to watch this trial at Christmas. We need to move it to January. And they were like, you're right. Okay. Why, if he's supposed to be on her side, why was he doing that? Because obviously she, yeah, yeah. And she didn't want that. Like, so I just, it's mind blowing. Around this time is when Howard Stern John Bobbitt appeared on Howard Stern a few times. They did an entire telethon where they raised money for him. It was their, like, New Year's Eve pageant. And they brought John on. He's wearing a tux. And they have people, women answering the phones. There's, like, topless women all over the place and all this stuff. It was, like, so gross. They had a huge penis meter. It was, like, giant. And the penis meter went up every time they got a new donation or whatever. And this is Howard Stern? Yeah. And he people is so would gross. He's I hate Howard Stern. And people would call in and donate money to John because what a victim he was and all this stuff, so that I guess he could like pay for hospital bills and whatever. But he made a hundred and ninety eight thousand dollars. Oh my god. A hundred and ninety eight thousand dollars. While Lorena has been working her ass off, supporting both of them. He didn't even have a fucking job. He wasn't working regularly. She was trying to pay all these bills by herself. And then they're going to give $198,000 to John because he got his dick cut off because he used it as a weapon, essentially. Okay, okay, Dan. Okay. (laughs) So. One interesting thing about these two trials is the DA, Paul Ebert, who prosecuted John, is now going to turn around and prosecute Lorena. And people did ask him at, like, press conferences and stuff before, are you going to recuse yourself from this case? Because can you prosecute both of them? And he's like, no, I don't see why I should. And he's like, I can prosecute, I can prosecute both cases. And I can do it just as well as I did the first one. And he did not think that it would be a conflict of interest. And I wasn't sure about that. But he really, he knocked it out of the park. I mean, he kept his word. He did not make it a conflict of interest. That's good. Yeah. So Lorena ended up pleading not guilty. And the defense went with the defense of irresistible impulse. And in Virginia, that's kind of their version of temporary insanity. So if she was found guilty, she would face 20 years in jail. She was offered a plea deal, of course, by the prosecution to try to settle it out of court. If she would just admit to premeditation, she would just get four months in jail and then be done with it. And she was like, No, because if I admit to, that was a felony, if I admit to this, I can never become a U.S. citizen. 
because she she was not born in the United States. She wanted her American citizenship, and she did not want to give that up. Like, that was her dream, was to become an American citizen. And so she was like, I'm going to take the chance. I'm going to go to trial, because I really, really, you know, there was a reason for this happening. Lorena was born in Ecuador, and she moved with her parents to Venezuela when she was seven. And she came to America for the first time when she was 16. And she said that when she landed in D.C., she was like, this is what I want. This is where I want to be. She knew that she was going to do anything that she could. She was going to work as hard as she could to make that happen. Um, She said that she came from a poor family, but they were happy. They were close. Um, So she ended up coming to America for her 16th birthday because they didn't have the money to throw her the big sweet 16. I'm not even going to attempt the Spanish word for that because I'll fuck it up. I don't know a sweet 16. I know the 15 is quinceanera. Oh, okay. The 15. So that's right. So the, the 15th birthday, and then she ended up coming here for her 16th. So they saved the money for that. And she ended up finishing high school in Venezuela, but then she moved to America on a student visa. And she didn't speak any English at first. And she still has an accent. Um, But she ended up taking English as a second language. And she started learning. And she said she watched soap operas and game shows to learn the language. She watched Days of Our Lives, All My Children, Price is Right. Um, God, Price is Right is so good. I know. I loved it. Plinko was my favorite. Yes, it's the best. Um, But, you know, this was a lifelong dream for her. So for this trial, you know, you fast forward how many years from because they were pretty young when all this happened, but in their 20s, um, you know, that was a dream that she had wanted for a really, really long time. And she was like, I was not going to let him take that away from me. I'm going to proceed with this trial and I'm going to fight for it. All right. And we will end this episode with some shout outs for some lovely people who have become patrons recently. Brandy Scott, Megan, Erica Sempron, Leanne Adkins, Lacey Huber, Kaylee Wright, Rebecca Dance, Rhiannon Schwiegel, Melissa Bugeski, Madeline Shefsik, Courtney, Heather, Marielle Fish, all the way from Australia. We've been emailing. Love it. Cindy Van Schultz, Richard Scranton, Uncle Rich. Oh my God. (laughs) Aoife Murtaff, Deidre Frey. Hey, girl. Ashley, Laura, Arielle Kulikovsky. You got all the hard ones this time. Kulikovsky. 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 Yeah. And you guys know, well, if you listen to Don't Fuck With Cats, you know Breck. Yay. Hey, Breck. Thank you. All right. We love you guys. So that's where we're going to cut it for today or this week. Um, But if you are a member of the Patreon, you'll get this episode or part two right now. If not, then you'll get it next week. But next week, we'll go into Lorena's trial and the aftermath. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.